Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Tuesday Night Jaw as I sit here in a hotel. Uh, recording my voice for you. Bit groggy, uh, bit tired, but I hope you're all alright. Uh, we are, of course, on the Distraction Pieces Network. Got a, a special little, might be a mini episode, might end up being a bit more than a mini episode, depending on how long it takes me to record it, uh, episode of the podcast today. It's just me, on my own, giving you a list episode. Now, normally, I do top 10 lists, but today, I'm going to do a top 40 list. Reason being, last week... I hit the big four zero. Thank you very much to everybody who sent me a tweet or a, a Facebook message or uh, or whatever. Um, uh, just wishing me happy birthday. That was lovely of you. Thank you very much. Um, I feel exactly the same as I did when I was thirty nine, if maybe slightly happier because life's all right and I love professional wrestling and that's a big part of my life. So um, so yes. So thanks if you did pass on your best regards. Some plugs. This Sunday, uh, my wrestling company, Progress Wrestling does a show at the Victoria Warehouse in Manchester, our biggest show outside of London within the UK uh, that we've ever done. Uh, There's still some tickets available because it's a big old venue. We've got some cool stuff planned. I've been announcing some more matches this week. So progresswrestling.com for tickets for that this coming Sunday in Manchester. Uh, Doors open at 1.30, shows at 3.00. Finished by about 7-ish. Will be a good one. Really looking forward to going to the Victoria Warehouse. It's a great venue. Um, Super Strong Style 16 is now up on demand-progress.com all three days all three days were awesome super proud I love the tournament uh, and I'm super proud of it so uh, if you want to go and check that out then do check it out please do check out everything on the Distraction Pieces Network because it's all good Uh, and I've also uh, I recorded a little interview uh, this week in London uh, with a mate of mine who I've always wanted to get on the podcast Uh, so I'm looking forward to releasing that when I can Uh, I'm not going to release it for a week or two Um, no real reason just don't want to release it for a week or two Uh, but it was a good chat between someone uh, I've known for a few years who I really like so I'm excited to pull that out Um, but in the meantime let's get to my top 40 list Um, you might know I've written a book uh, you can you can get it now. My book is available. Search uh, Jim Smallman. Uh, I'm sorry, I love you. A history of professional wrestling uh, on Amazon, and uh, you'll be able to pre-order it. Um, I've done a fair few pre-orders so far, which is really cool. Um, it'd be great if we did loads of pre-orders because if we do loads of pre-orders, they all count towards the first week's sales. And if somehow you guys can help me put my uh, my very positive book about the history of an art form that I adore in the Sunday Times top 10 bestsellers, for example, that would be mind-blowing. 
so you know do tell people about it do recommend it to people it comes out on august the 23rd um i'll be doing a lot of press around that time as i'll also be doing a lot of press for progress's show at wembley arena on september the 30th um but yeah do tell people about it um everyone who's pre-ordered it so far genuinely thank you so much i'm really pleased um i'm really surprised that people are as interested in it as they are and i think it's really really cool that people are spreading the word about it i know my publisher are delighted and did not expect the response that it got so let's keep spreading the word um anyone who pre-orders it i keep saying this if you buy my book i'm probably going to be doing some sign-ins and stuff um but if you buy my book and it's not a signed one and you see me anywhere even if i'm out like having dinner with my family come and see me and i will sign your book for you i'll dedicate it to you sign it for you do whatever you need me to do because i'm super grateful you know me if you've ever met me in person i am uh, very approachable and uh, very privileged to be in the position i'm in in the world of professional wrestling so i will go out of my way to be nice to anyone who's got the time to have a chat to me or has had uh, uh had the the wonderful nature to do anything whether it's buy my book or listen to this podcast or support in progress or come and see me do stand-up, whatever. I'm just, I'll go out of my way to be nice to anyone. So if you buy my book, come see me. I'll sign it for you. Dead easy. Right then. So, because I've written a book, uh, in the book there's some lists. A little spoiler for you. I've put some lists of some things, because I know people like list episodes of the podcast. So at the back of the book there's a few lists of things. Um, uh, and I thought I'd put together, for the purpose of this podcast, my top 40 professional wrestlers of all time. From as long as I've been watching professional wrestling, which is nearly 40 years. It's 36 years, if you want to be precise. So my top 40 list of professional wrestlers. Um, And I'd like you to do yours. So scribble yours down on a piece of paper. Um, Write it in your notes on your phone and screenshot it. It'll be more than one screenshot. And tweet it to me. uh, At Jim Smallman on Twitter. Hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. I'm genuinely curious to see what everyone has chosen. Um, and I've done a lot of these lists before, but I don't think I've ever done one that is my absolute favourite wrestlers. Um, and my favourite wrestlers change week by week. Um, so, you know, this is this has shifted a little bit uh, since Super Strong Style 16 because I've been reminded of certain things that I really, really love. Um, but, but yeah, it, and it's difficult picking 40 wrestlers and just 40 wrestlers. Um, and then there's the position where you put them. You, you'll be surprised at how low down um, some of you might think I've placed certain people. But at the same time, this is still the 40 favourite wrestlers in 36 years of me watching professional wrestling um, I could easily do a top 100 I'm not going to, the podcast will be like very long and I'd run out of voice so um, so yeah, this is my top 40 professional wrestlers of all time, I'll do a little bit about why I like each one as we go along but I'll try not to bore you too much with detail um, should we start? let's start and you do yours as well as we're going along Okay. so number 40 on my list of favourite professional wrestlers of all time. And have a guess right now. As we're at number 40, who do you think number one's going to be? Just have a little guess. So, number 40 on my list is, drumroll, Kazuchika Okada. Um, oh, and there's a little uh, proviso here. I have not chosen anyone within my top 40 who is a regular for progress. So, I have not included... Uh, guys who I adore and would easily be in this list uh, if I was including guys who were used in progress because I would uh, have Pete Dunne, Jimmy Havoc, Will Ospreay, um, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and so on. But they're guys who are regulars within progress so I'm not choosing them in this list because it, it's a little bit too biased. So um, anyway, that's my list. Number 40, Kazuchika Okada. Um, certainly the MVP 
of New Japan Pro Wrestling in uh, in the last few years. Um, hard to believe he was once in TNA, but he was, uh, and was very good there as well. Uh, but the uh, I think it was his last defense. He broke the record for the most successful defenses uh, as uh, New Japan's IWGP Heavyweight Champion, um, and he's just a wonderful, wonderful wrestler. And he's still only thirty years old, which let's be honest is terrifying. And hasn't he got lovely hair? He has got lovely hair. Um, number thirty-nine is someone I fell in love with watching videos I bought while I was at university. Um, Firstly from tape trading, and then from uh, when they started being released as as mainstream, in inverted commas, uh, releases. And I used to have to go into HMV in Leicester, go into the basement, which is where they had videos and DVDs, and this is in the video stage. And and then I'd find find these videos, and I'd go home and I'd watch them. And there was one match in particular that made me fall in love with this man as a professional wrestler um, and that's his match against Jerry Lynn um, and that's Rob Van Dam um, I think it's it's a shame that Rob's own sort of uh, personal choices uh, led to led to him uh, not really having a particularly long uh, world title run uh, in WWE uh, but at the same time like what a performance the first time I saw him the first time I saw him hit a five star frog splash the first time I saw him hit a Van Daminator it felt genuinely out of this world and new and crazy um, and just I do think that guys personality wise um, just even the way he talks like Matt Riddle is someone who I adore and he reminds me in in some ways of Rob Van Dam, not just uh, the, the whole sort of stoner personality of course but also um, everything that uh, is sort of is offense and uh, is very different in terms of uh, the martial arts that are employed. But there's just something of a the first time I watched Matt Riddle, there was something of an aura about Matt Riddle in the same way the first time I, I watched Rob Van Damme and just went, whoa, he feels completely new and completely different. Number 38 um, is a man that my wife cannot quite comprehend his name being his actual name. Uh, because she thinks he should be called something different. A regular listeners of Tuesday Night Jaw will know this. Um, uh, so and that is uh, Jushin Thunder Liger. Um, uh, <laughs> two things about this. First of all, my wife feels he's genuinely, it's a spelling mistake and he's really called Justin Thunder Tiger. Um, he's not, he's Jushin Thunder Liger. Um, it absolutely blew my mind the first time I, I, I remember buying a WCW magazine and seeing him in his, his gear for the first time and thinking, because I was a kid, so I looked at that and just went, who, who is this crazy magician man? Um, and then got to see him wrestle and was like, whoa. Um, even like, it, it, you know, later on in his career, his match with Tyler Breeze at that takeover was great. Just seeing someone like Justin Liger do that. And of course, regular listeners will be aware of my um, friendship. It's kind of a one-way friendship. I like him, he hates me with William Regal. And... He, um, I, I'm always really, uh, I'm always really fond of a story he once told me and Dave Mastiff when we were sat backstage with him uh, when he was doing one of his stand-up shows in Leeds, and I was the support act, and he just he starts telling us a story. I won't do the voice. Glenn does the voice better than me, but he just starts telling us a story. And it's the best opening to a story ever. He just goes, so uh, me and Joshy and Thunderliger, uh, we're in a B and B in the Shetland Islands. No story I ever tell you will be better than that. I can't even remember how it ended, but it was great. Uh, but Justin Liger, adore him. Um, still someone I'd love 
to book for progress I, I feel that New Japan contractual issues will mean that will never happen um, but I'd love it if one day I could I could just have him wrestle uh, within progress I know I'd want to wrestle him the most out of everyone who wrestles in our company that'd be Ginny Ginny is an absolute massive Justin Liger fan there's a little peek inside the curtain for you so he's number 38 number 37 uh, is a man sadly no longer with us and it's a shame because his voice was one of the best in professional wrestling history and that is Macho Man Randy Savage um, I uh, only his voice only rivaled again we've mentioned this on the podcast before only rivaled by the voice of Eric Young um, and, and recently I've, I've seen some of Randy Savage's kind of um, Memphis era stuff that he was doing when he was is seen as working for an outlaw promotion because he didn't work for um, he didn't work for the same promotion as so he worked for International Championship Wrestling uh, ICW uh, not the Glaswegian ICW um, uh, so he, they were an, seen as an outlaw promotion um, and they weren't seen as a legitimate promotion and they, they, uh, it was all this cool mad political stuff that was going on in the sort of late 70s um, and here's the thing when I was a kid I love Randy Savage I still love him now and I never believed, one of my friends told me that the genius was his brother, and I never believed it for about probably three or four years until I started actually reading magazines myself. And I was like, oh, I've got the same last name. Oh, because there's not many poffos about. Um, yeah, Randy Savage, um, a- absolute legend. His match with Ricky Steamboat, uh, of course, uh, spoilers, Ricky Steamboat is not in this list, um, although wonderful. Yeah, his match, is with, his match with Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania 3 mind-blowing for me as a kid watching that I didn't watch it live I watched it probably three years later on video but stuff like that was mind-blowing and you know seeing him drop his elbow drop and then seeing other wrestlers do pay tribute to it since has has always popped me so he's number 37 number 36 uh, is someone who has wrestled extensively in the United Kingdom recently um, and that is Rey Mysterio Um, technically Rey Mysterio Jr um I first saw Ray wrestling, uh, I think, in WCW, and then I went back and managed to see him wrestling in ECW. And his stuff with Psychosis in ECW at the time was just nuts. His match with Eddie Guerrero at Halloween Havoc, I want to say 97, I think, um, is one of my favourite ever matches. Um, I know that Ray's style has been grounded somewhat by his knee injuries and stuff, and the fact that the dude's 43 years old. But what a talent. Uh, and and still now you, you saw it probably at the greatest Royal Rumble where he came out and people lose their minds because he's still an absolute megastar um, interesting to see he's been announced as doing some stuff with uh, with New Japan uh, coming up um, I was convinced he was going to be Braun Strowman's tag team partner at Wrestlemania I think I lost several bets by him not being so um, but no Ray is remains a wonderful talent um, and um, and certainly one of the finest ever luchadors I know he's not necessarily at the the level of fame as someone as uh, El Santo or Blue Demon or Mil Mascaris but in, in terms of the, the pantheon of, 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 of Lucha Libre history um, but you know by the time he eventually hangs his boots and his mask up um, he will be rightly seen as, as one of the greatest ever to come from Mexico um, but yeah adore him um, sad I've never met him I imagine he'd be a good dude um, if you've met him let me know if he's a good dude at Jim Smallman hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw while you're giving me your list um, so Ray's number 36 uh, number 35 uh, is someone who, uh, else whose face was obscured for much of his career but with face paint uh, rather than a mask um, and he's someone who I learned of because and someone's going to have to tell me the name 
of, uh, of, of this video game. So when I was a kid, I was, I've always loved video games. And a friend of mine owned a... Um, a friend of mine's stepdad owned a video rental shop uh, called Select Video in Hinkley in Leicestershire, which is where I grew up. And uh, they had arcade machines in there. One of the arcade machines in there um, was one of the standard Neo Geo cabinets. If you don't know anything about video games, this is going to be a point where you're probably going to tune out a little bit. But the Neo Geo games often were things like King of Fighters and Fatal Fury, which I loved. Um, but there was a wrestling game uh, on it. Um, that had characters that were clearly facsimiles of real wrestlers, often Japanese ones. And the first wrestler you faced uh, when you started playing this game, and I could never beat him, was a guy who looked like um, this wrestler I'm going to mention now, and that's the Great Muta, or Keiji Muto. But I like him as the Great Muta. Um, uh, Muta is, of course, responsible for uh, inventing the Muta scale, uh, which is rates the bloodiness of matches. At 1.0 on the Muta scale is... The amount of gore he lost uh, when wrestling Hiroshi Hayes um, uh, at one point where his opponent bit into his head, spat a chunk of his forehead out in one of the grossest things you've ever seen. Other matches that are 1.0 on the motor scale are uh, Eddie Guerrero versus JBL and I think that's about it. There's not many that are as gory as that match. It's nuts. But also he had an amazing feud with Jinzei Shinzaki where uh, the Great Muta was was representing like the dark forces and Jinzei Shinzaki as a, a monk was representing the white for the light. That's amazing. Um, was responsible for turning uh, the fortunes a little bit around in, uh, of all Japan after after the split between all Japan and Noah. Um, uh, is responsible for me thinking the moonsault still now is one of the coolest moves I've ever seen, and is responsible for me thinking that spraying mist remains one of the coolest things in wrestling. I want to learn to do it. So just once I can do it. I want to spray mist. Uh, it's the coolest. So yeah, great Muta. I do love Keiji Muto's work as well, but for me, great Muta, especially you know when he was first introduced to WCW in about sort of like 1989, 1990, and no one had seen anything like him. Whoa, what a character. Number 34 uh, is... Uh, is the now the artist now known as Cesaro, uh, but formerly known as Claudio Castagnoli, who of course my son is named after. Um, I uh, absolutely I, I love his work in uh, in WWE. He, he, he I think he's won most underrated wrestler in the Wrestling Observer newsletter, um, like so many times um, because you know people view him as underrated I would argue not necessarily underrated he is working for WWE and he is you know he's been employed there for quite some time um, but I loved his work when he was Claudio Castagnoli um, in particular his, his work in, in Shikara um, as part of the Kings of Wrestling and then as part of uh, BDK um, just thought he was wonderful um, everyone knows arguably the strongest wrestler on the planet um, Tyler Bate might give him a run for his money one day but just a wonderful wrestler. Met him a couple of times. Super nice guy as well. Like, he's exactly as nice as you would expect him to be. Incredibly intelligent. Uh, knows a lot about sport. Um, and just a really, really good dude. And uh, I, I still hold out hope that one day I will see him as, as, as a WWE World Champion because I think he's absolutely amazing. But he is a massive asset to the company, uh, if you think about it, purely based on how many languages he can speak and how intelligent he is and just a just a great dude um so yeah a lot of time for cesaro um and he's uh he, he was a, a no-brainer for me to put in the top 40 he's 34 number 33 now you might think this is a bit low 
But again, this is my 40 favourite wrestlers of all time. Um, so spoiler, Hulk Hogan is not in my 40 favourite wrestlers of all time. And he's arguably one of the biggest draws of all time. Um, just not my cup of tea. Never has been. Um, number 33 is someone that I absolutely loved when I was in my teens. Um, and then loved even more when he was uh, he, he became a villain in 1997. But only in the United States. And that's Bret Hart. Um, I'm a big fan of Bret Hart's autobiography actually if you've never read it I'd recommend it it's a good one um, it's a little bit it, it, I think the, the place he was in personally when he wrote it it's a little bit bitter in places um, but it's an autobiography this is cool um, but I, I remember waiting sending off for you know his mirrored sunglasses that he used to give to uh, audience members I was at school with a lad who told everybody that he got given some and I remember thinking whoa he's the coolest kid ever he hadn't been given any um, I don't think there'd been a WWE show in the country at that point um, he, uh, he'd actually bought them from the little catalogue that used to be in the middle of the official WWF at the time magazine and um, when I found out you could do that I sent off for them he had to send off to America and I remember waiting about six months to get home and then when I got home I wore them everywhere and then I snapped the rubber that held the uh, the rubber sort of band that held them in place and stuff but they were so cool and so many of his matches are great him and Steve Austin at Wrestlemania 13 one of the greatest matches of all time um, his whole feud with the entire United States of America is brilliant it's just a shame that his career petered out when he went to WCW um, but a wonderful wrestler um, and I think it's very hard for anyone to put one of these lists together and not put Bret Hart in it really really difficult so at number 32 he says scanning his notes and trying to find his number 32 number 32 um, is Triple H Um, now when Triple H debuted uh, in WWE I think I want to say 1995 um, you know he had a, a very sort of generic snob character and then it was the advent of DX um, that pushed him forward in my appreciation of him, and then it was his feud with Mick Foley it, over two times. The, the first one with uh, the first time Mick Foley became Cactus Jack again, and I think I want to say uh, maybe '97, where they had their match at uh, MSG. There was a street fight that is wonderful, and that was the point where I went, "Oh, this dude's cool." Uh, and then his feud in 2000 uh, with. This feud in 2000 with Mick Foley again was wonderful. And even like recently, you go back and watch WrestleMania and watch uh, Triple H and Stephanie against Ronda Rousey and uh, Kurt Angle. And watch, for a man who's semi-retired and runs a company these days, like it, you, you watch how... Uh, how cool that match is in terms of when Ronda Rousey's got him in the corner and she's punching him it's amazing um, uh, so you know I've I've, I've always enjoyed his work but watching that match just reminded me I went oh yeah I forgot how cool this is because you don't get to see him wrestle as much these days um, also knows how to make an entrance at Wrestlemania oh he done he also likes a Harley Davidson it would seem um Responsible for one of my favourite ever entrances as a sidebar, which was at WrestleMania X7, purely because it involved Lemmy playing live. And, uh, you know, you got to love a bit of Lemmy. <clears throat> so Triple H number 32. Uh, number 31, uh, I have uh, someone who works uh, for WWE, but has never wrestled for WWE. And uh, that is Sarah Del Rey. 
I uh, think is is one of the finest in-ring performers of all time um, without needing to give her the caveat of one of the finest female in-ring performers of all time we know that she's just one of the finest performers in-ring of all time period um, her work in uh, in the independent scene uh, in the noughties was absolutely stellar some of the stuff she could do in the ring was unbelievable mentioned Cesaro before and his work in, in Shikara Sarah Dara is exactly the same um, just if you can get hold of any of our matches I think that the Shikara Topia um, if, if that is still the name of their uh, on, on demand product there'll be plenty of stuff on there for you to go and see just a wonderful wonderful wrestler and a believable badass um, and the fact that now with all the female talent that's coming from the performance centre and bleeding through NXT and then moving on to main roster WWE you can see her influence over these uh, over the, over these wrestlers because she's just she was so good back in the day, um, and she's obviously passing that knowledge on now. And I, I will always remain a, a massive fan of her work. I think she's she's absolutely brilliant. Not related to Lana Del Rey, sadly, because what a tag team they would be. One on one side, one wrestler who's absolutely amazing. On the other side, uh, a lady who's a little bit miserable. <laughs> I like Lana Del Rey. I get I get grief off people for me who tell me um, they use the hashtag not punk thing for me but you know I'm bored of that now uh, number 30 rounding out our, our, our first 10 of my top 40 um, is a man who should have retired way before he became into he came into my sort of sensibilities um, a former NWA world, heavy, world heavyweight champion um, and that is Terry Funk Um 73 years old now Terry Funk and I <laughs> so in doing the book I researched a lot about him and, and read up about his his NWA title run in the 1970s um, and the feud between the Funks and the Briscoes which went on for about a decade um, and then the the fact that <laughs> the, he retired in theory <laughs> in about sort of what, 1982 or something ridiculous like that in all Japan and then came back there's the famous forever speech and then came back and then ended up in WWE for a bit and then had his amazing feud with people forget his feud with Ric Flair in WCW was after he had already retired once this is 1989 that feud um, so he will have been wrestling for over over 20 years at that point um, it, it's well into his 40s by this point and that feud was amazing and then you thought surely he's going to retire now no he's going to go and do death matches in Japan and he's going to go and wrestle in ECW become ECW champion then he's still going to go back to WWF and he's still going to do crazy stuff in WCW and then oh just uh, I, I like a man he's very much the Madonna of professional wrestling that he's reinvented himself quite a few times um, and you know, I think we're all happy that he's retired now, um, kind of. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking on his Wikipedia page now, and uh, just an excerpt. This is um, on January 12th, 2013. Funk stated he was officially retired from professional wrestling at the age of 68. Um, on October the 27th, 2013, Funk returned to All Japan Pro Wrestling team with Dory in a tag team match. And so it continues. Um, it, it's it's, it, it's. I reckon he'll be wrestling until his dying day. Um, he, he's just never going to retire. Just imagine still being able to retire, still be able to wrestle at the age of seventy something. It's 
absolutely crazy. Okay, so into the top 30. Um, Toe Funk number 30, uh, number 29. He says once again, trying to find his way through his notes. Uh, and number 29, someone who's still competing. Um, someone who, in the 1990s, was arguably the most handsome man in the world. Look for the gif if you don't believe me. Uh, and now is one of the most terrifying men in the world. Uh, I watched him wrestle Matt Riddle in a no-ropes uh, shoot-style match in New Orleans at GCW's Bloodsport, and that's Minoru Suzuki. Um, his work, both in wrestling and in combat sports in general, needs to be applauded, because if it wasn't for guys like Minoru Suzuki, we probably wouldn't have things like UFC now. And uh, he's just got an aura about him. Watching Minoru Suzuki match, he doesn't do a lot of stuff. He'll do a big old drop kick and he'll do his gotch style power driver and he'll slap the living daylights out of someone. But he doesn't do loads, but he doesn't need to do loads. Um, he's believably insane. And also, a little bit of a, there's a little bit of an air of Chris Eubank about him. He's, he's a, a, quite eccentric and I enjoy that. Uh, I think he's, uh, he's excellent. Again, because of New Japan contractual commitments, unlikely we'll ever see him in progress, which is a shame. But a big fan of, of, uh, of his in ring style, a big fan of the aura and personality around him. Number 28 is someone who is also Japanese. Um, someone who uh, we desperately tried to book for a progress show. Um, uh, and and it's looking like it's never going to happen, so I can tell you about it now. Um, and when I've said he's Japanese and we tried to book him for a progress show, you're probably going down the New Japan route or something like that. Um, or you're probably thinking Daisuke Sakamoto, someone whose name comes up a lot because of the Atlas division and his friendship with Walter. Um the person we tried desperately to book um, uh, in the uh, back end of last year and beginning of this year um, was Masato Tanaka. Um, the reason for this was that he uh, was involved in the training uh, of uh, Travis Banks, who's currently Progress Wrestling Champion. Uh, and from my point of view, he's someone I used to watch in ECW and just thought was the best, the absolute best. His feud with Mike Awesome was amazing. Um, and people forget that he still wrestles now. Um, he's uh, still wrestles for for Noah and for Zero One um, in Japan. He's still very very good. Everything he does is still believable. Um, but some of the stuff he was doing in ECW, it's a miracle the dude's still wrestling with some of the chair shots he used to take and some of the table bumps. Um, but go back and watch some of his stuff on the WWE Network with Mike Awesome in ECW because it was it was something else. It was really special. Um, and sad we didn't get a chance he, he was interested but diary stuff couldn't match up and it's a shame because it, that would have been something really really cool okay number 27 is a British name for you um, and it's a man that I've pointed out um, if you know your 1980s television uh, looks exactly like Bob Carroll G's the ventriloquist slash puppeteer out of <laughs> a prop called Spit the Dog which is a very weird thing for me to think about, but he looked exactly like this wrestler, and that's uh, Rollerball Mark Rocco, um, someone who was responsible for uh, popularising the British style of wrestling, uh, going to Japan and doing amazing things there under a mask as Black Tiger, uh, feuding with the original Tiger Mask. Um, just a, a wonderful, wonderful talent. Um, someone I'm certain I saw wrestle live when I was a kid, but I'm old now and my main brain isn't quite as good as it, it used to be. I definitely used to watch him on TV at my grand's house. Um, he's a uh, the, the special class of sort of light heavyweight wrestler alongside guys like Marty Jones, Steve Gray, uh, and people like that I used to see on World of Sport when I was a kid. But 
rollable someone who I've, I've never met and, and someone I'd, I'd quite like to meet I think um, I've met a lot of people around British wrestling and around the glory days of British wrestling been lucky enough to be introduced to them uh, by people like William Regal but I, I'd love to meet Rollable Rocco um, I just think he's a he's a, a a big part of my history of watching professional wrestling and someone I'd like to meet um, but yeah a massive reason that I like wrestling and every now and again I'll just sit on YouTube and put his name in and see what stuff I can find and, and enjoy like, it was crazy how hard hitting and how fast paced this stuff was uh, even at you know at, at that sort of stage in wrestling where it was very different to what it is now number 26 is Chris Jericho now I was first made aware of Chris Jericho um, through someone sending me a tape that featured him in Smoky Mountain Wrestling um, he did a move to 1.0 actually um, there's a story in one of his books I think his first book where he was wrestling in a tag team with Lance Storm as the Thrill Seekers and he was trying to practice doing I want to say a shooting star press or maybe a 450 he was practicing before a match for Smoky Mountain and he broke his arm but still wanted to wrestle that night so wrestled with a broken arm because wrestlers are insane and uh, he was required to bleed in that match but because he had a broken arm he didn't trust himself to blade with his broken arm so he bladed with the other arm and he cut himself too deeply and bled everywhere so he was wrestling with an open, a broken arm and covered in blood and I remember seeing that tape and then learning about his stuff in ECW and then uh, uh, seeing snippets of stuff he did in Mexico and stuff that he did for um, uh, war, wrestle and romance in Japan and then his great run in WCW especially the, the, the list of moves that he read out and his fake Goldberg entrance and then uh, you come to his debut in WWE which is still for me one of the, the best ever debuts when he debuted on Raw dubbed it Raw is Jericho that, that whole thing was was off the charts great so on to number 25 We're rattling through these which is good because I'll be honest with you guys, I've got a busy day. Number 25. Um, for some people, this is a man who will be in their top 10 or in their top 1. For me, love him. There's just people I love a little bit more. Uh, and that's Ric Flair. And I think one of the reasons that Ric Flair isn't maybe as uh, higher up for me, and I, I absolutely recognise he's been some of the greatest matches and greatest feuds of all time, was in the best stable ever in the Four Horsemen. Um, the reason that he's not high for me is I it, I had to kind of go back and watch WCW. My first real exposure as a kid to Ric Flair was when he won the 1992 Royal Rumble, which is still my favourite ever Royal Rumble. Um, so he, absolutely brilliant wrestler, absolutely amazing legacy. Um, and, and some of the stuff he's done is, is wonderful, but I had to kind of learn about it after the event. Like I'd never seen his matches with Ricky Steamboat in 1989 or his match uh, with Terry Funk until much later. Like you're talking, the one with Terry Funk, I think I didn't see until maybe seven, eight years ago. So um, he's not as special to me as he will be to some of you guys listening because don't forget, this isn't what I think. who I think is the best. This is my favourites. Um, but I still absolutely love him. Uh, lucky enough to have met him just the once and he was super nice. Um, and... Yeah, obviously we had the health scare and stuff last year and uh, and, uh, and fingers crossed he's, he's massively on the road to recovery. His legacy lives on in his daughter as well. Let's be honest, Charlotte is a tremendous wrestler um, and uh, and 
seems to have taken all the best parts of her, uh, her father's in-ring skills and personality and, and, and really run with it herself. So um, it's great that his legacy is living on in that way. To number 24. Uh, number 24. is uh, a man who was so blind that he couldn't see you when he threw his lariat, but he threw it anyway. And that's Stan Hansen. Um, I'd recommend Stan Hansen's autobiography to you. It's really good. Uh, it's available on Kindle. I had a read of it. It only took me a couple of days to read it. Really, really good autobiography. Really interesting life that he's led. His work uh, in Japan, particularly in the 80s, um, his, his teaming of feuds with Bruiser Brody and Vader are some of the most hard-hitting stuff you will ever see. Just an absolutely wonderful uh, in-ring performer stiff as anything great story about him once he uh, was told he had to lose the AWA title but he'd already been booked on a tour of Japan where he'd been told he was going to defend it there by his Japanese promoters so he um, he ran over the title in his truck and posted it back to Vern Gagne um, that's the sort of man he was <laughs> but a wonderful wrestler it's um, it's it's a shame he didn't do more in America. He won the WCW United States title in the early nineties, I think. Um, but it would have been great to have seen him more in the states. But Japan suited him. I think he was happy there. Um, but his stuff in Japan is absolutely worth looking up. Number twenty three is a, another luchador, um, and this might be a surprising one for you, but uh, um, like it was it was it was very because I've become such a fan of his work this year, and I've gone back and viewed a lot of his stuff. It was it was. Uh, I nearly put Andrade Cian Almas in this top 40 um, his stuff as La Sombra um, uh, in in Mexico is wonderful and it's stuff I've only just been made aware of but he's not quite at the point where he'd be in my top 40 favourite wrestlers all the time certainly one of my favourite current wrestlers um, but my uh, number 23 is someone who ended up in WWE did not do a great job in WWE didn't suit him but what he did before WWE was unbelievable, and that's Mystico. He became the original Sin Cara. Um, he's uh, Mr. Ziz now, I think, um, back in uh, in Mexico. But his work as Mystico um, before he went to WWE is unbelievable. His finisher, Le Mystica, is one of my favourite ever finishers. Um, if you've never seen it, go to YouTube, put in Mystico, Le Mystica, and you'll see it, and it's just—it's the most wonderful submission move you'll ever see. It's just a food you are armbar. It's the way he gets into it. It's amazing. It's so smooth. And for a long time, he was one of the best draws in professional wrestling. He was an absolute superstar, which is why WWE signed him. He didn't work out in the same way that someone like Rey Mysterio did, um, which is a shame for him and a shame for WWE. Um, but his work before them was brilliant, and I used to absolutely rave about seeing his matches for Mexico. Just such a wonderful performer. Number 22, I've just mentioned him a couple of minutes ago, and that's Bruiser Brody. Sadly, no longer with us because he was murdered in Puerto Rico uh, in the 1980s um, by, uh, by a promoter there uh, over a dispute uh, that had been rumbling on for a few years, stabbed in a shower in a baseball stadium, and that's an incredibly sad way to end a career. Absolute maverick of a human being. Um, <laughs> one of the reasons I love Bruiser Brody this sounds so lame one of the reasons I love Bruiser Brody is I found out that if you remember the Virtua Fighter games there was a character in it called Jeffrey and Jeffrey was based on Bruiser Brody and that's one of the reasons I loved Bruiser Brody when I started getting into tape training and stuff um, just so hard hitting so unpredictable such such a chaotic human being 
um, when he, he he comes to the ring and be swinging his arms around and you know especially in Japan people had to run and scramble for cover and didn't care who he was hitting or what he was hitting and was you know known for being so terrifying in the ring that people like Lex Luger once just escaped a cage match just to get away from him like just an aura of madness around him I think it's a shame that he died it's obviously a shame when anyone dies but it's a shame he died when he did because he was such a big dude there was a chance that even though I think he was he was knocking his 40s at that point it, it wasn't unusual for people to rock up into WWE for the first time in their 40s and he could have been a really good foil and a really good villain for someone like Hulk Hogan or for, for someone like Randy Savage or for someone um, like the Ultimate Warrior and it could have been that, that stuff it would have been chaotic wild brawls but it could have been really really cool uh, and it's a shame that never got to happen Number 21, he says, looking through his list. Number 21 is a man who now runs a orphanage in Tijuana, and that's El Generico. Some people say he looks a little bit like Sami Zayn, who may or may not be in WWE now. Um, he is in WWE. I watched him this week. Um, but uh, I, So I love Sami Zayn, but El Generico, who may or may not have been his former persona, is one of my favourite ever independent workers love the stuff that he did love how he used to interact on social media by barely talking love the fact that I got introduced to him by Colt Cabana in 2012 uh, and there was no wrestling no wrestling fans around just me at the time very new wrestling promoter and Colt and El Generico and Akira Tozawa for some reason and uh, I got introduced to him told him I was a big fan of his work and he refused to break character had his mask on all the time just went see see brilliant absolutely amazing uh, his feud with Kevin Steen's one of my favourite ever feuds uh, them as a tag team one of my favourite ever tag teams just a, a wonderful performer and then to number 20 rounding out uh, this te- this 10 uh, my number 20 is uh, another member of the Hart family the uh, the sadly departed Owen Hart um, I was watching uh, the WWE pay-per-view where he passed away uh, I uh, I remember watching it live and knowing something was wrong and at the time thinking it was sad and then the days after it it really hit me that I'd enjoyed so much Owen Hart stuff um, even when he was doing his Blue Blazer gimmick and, and was just in the mid card I, I, I enjoyed so much of his stuff he was doing I enjoyed it when he was in a, a tag team with Jeff Jarrett I enjoyed it when he was part of the Hart family I enjoyed it when he was feuding with his brother Brett which was so good at, at being a sort of whiny despicable heel um, and it's, it's such a shame. If you get a chance, go on YouTube, look up some of the stuff Owen Hart was doing in Japan and in the United Kingdom uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. That stuff was bananas. He was ahead of his time and genuinely one of the greatest ever in-ring performers. I'm not. This is not hyperbole because a man's passed away. This is absolutely, completely warranted. Genuinely one of the best ever in-ring performers. Really, really good. I think... He, he never reached the heights that Brett did partly because he, he he was more motivated by being at home with his family and, and saving money than he was um, necessarily pushing himself to the absolute top and the absolute limit but what a what a performance what a sad loss it was when he, he passed away in 1999 we're into the top 20 now um, number 19 is the highest paid film star in Hollywood The Rock um, so I, I was in my hiatus from liking wrestling when The Rock debuted as Rocky Maivia and everyone hated him. 
so I only knew him initially as The Rock and then I went back and, and bought all the tapes that I missed out on and was like oh he was unlikable when he first started and and he was the blue chipper and, and had, had his, his, his slightly poofy hair um, uh, and um, yeah it just it was it was amazing that he became the person that he became just you know powered a little bit by bitterness but also powered by the fact that he was always had that talent and always had that charisma within him and proof that WWE when they saw him when he was young and they pushed him they were eventually proven right weren't they um, because he was absolutely brilliant some of the, his interviews between like 1998 and 2001 2002 some of the best promos you'll ever see and let's not forget could no pun intended bring it in the ring um, his match with Steve Austin at Wrestlemania 17 is one of my favourite ever Wrestlemania main events um, and has been involved in countless wonderful matches during the course of his career and let's be honest he'll probably still have another match at some point but I think he's alright he's doing alright for money and he's doing alright for his diary being full isn't he um, but again you can't make a list like this and The Rock not be in it I'd be astonished if any of you guys when you send me your list again hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw uh, at Jim Smallman I would be astonished if any of you don't have the rock on it. Don't now just try and do it for the sake of doing it. Okay, come on. Number 18. Number 18 is, where is it? He says, trying to find it. Number 18 is someone, again, I mentioned earlier on, uh, and that's Vader. Um, I've always loved Vader. I loved him slightly less when he was rude about Will Ospreay, because Will's my friend. Um, uh, The thing with Will... Uh, and the Will and Vader thing is Vader did that veteran thing of not liking anything that Will does uh, and I get that some people don't like change I found myself even I've only been a wrestling promoter for six years but I found myself a couple of times saying the phrase oh back in my day and I'm about to stop myself uh, because I want to kill myself a little bit with, with, with I shouldn't be coming out with stuff like that but I um, yeah I I loved Vader back in the day because no one looked like him he he was huge and he did moonsaults and this is the thing about him criticising Will I'm sure people will have said to him in like 1989, 1990 what are you doing moonsaulting, you're 400 pounds never go off your feet so he was changing things, he was changing the dynamic of wrestling when he was doing it as Will does now, so there's no reason to criticise that's my opinion but the stuff he was doing was amazing let's not forget, I mentioned Stan Hansen before they once had a fight where Stan hit him so hard in the ring that his eye popped out of his socket and he carried on that's the sort of man Vader was um, it, it's a shame he never had a really significant run at the top of the card in WWE but his stuff he did in WCW um, uh, where he was a very dominant champion there and his, all of his stuff in, in Japan both New Japan and then All Japan is, um, is, is brilliant number 17 someone else who's sadly no longer with us and someone that this is probably one of the more obscure names along with Mystico this is probably one of the more obscure names on my list. And that is Art Bar. Um. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Now, Artbar's a controversial figure in, in many ways. He, did, he certainly did not have a, a, a great past when he was wrestling in Portland. Um, uh, and he was convicted of, of, of something quite bad and then that meant he had to go and wrestle in Mexico when he wrestled in Mexico he formed a tag team with Eddie Guerrero and uh, they became uh, Los Gringos Locos which I believe means the crazy Americans they formed a whole stable that had people like uh, Luis Piccoli in it under the name of Madonna's boyfriend um, Art Bar in it as Love Machine Eddie Guerrero in it Jake Roberts was in it at one point I believe and they were the most hated stable in early 90s Mexico. Unbelievably hated. When AAA did the When Worlds Collide pay-per-view in Los Angeles, uh, they had a two out of three falls hair versus mask match uh, against uh, Octacon and El Hijo del Santo that remains one of the greatest matches you will ever watch just in terms of crowd heat. People are ready to riot when these guys come out. That's the level of heat that they had. Um, Art Bar, I think, would have... Uh, gone on to uh, certainly do cool things in, in ECW and then maybe would have had his chance in either WCW or WWE at some point in the 90s, just like Eddie Guerrero did. But unfortunately, uh, his own demons got in the way. He's legitimately, for my money, the best heel in the history of professional wrestling. I, I cannot stress this enough. If you see just his facial expressions and his hand gestures everything that he did in the ring and everything he did on the entrances and everything he did in interviews made him unbelievable and yet very I mean if you've listened to this podcast you've probably been exposed to him but but very few mainstream wrestling fans will know who he is he's the reason Eddie Guerrero did the frog splash he, it was his finisher Eddie Guerrero adopted it um, but yeah Art Bar's number 17 number 16 is someone who did end up in ECW and then did end up in WWE and certainly took his chance quite well and that is Stone Cold Steve Austin um, and again, you might be listening to this going, why is he only number 16? Well, again, it's my favourites. Um, and again, I could list 100, 200 favourite wrestlers. This is still a big deal for, for me, for people to be in the top 40. But Steve Austin, love his in-ring work, love his promos. He gets knocked down slightly for introducing the world to the what thing, which is tedious. Um, but you can't argue in terms of his star power in the 1990s. I, I, the other day I was watching his interviews in ECW when he was he was parodying Hulk Hogan and was letting all his bitterness out. And it's no wonder Vince signed him. <clears throat> Those promos are absolutely something else. They are unbelievable. Um, if you get a chance again, I think they're on the network. Um, go and check them out because they're, they're brilliant. But... Um, the other thing with Steve Austin is, of course, he, he, people forget that you know he, he was retired by the early noughties um, and has never come back. 
you know, he's, he comes back as an authority figure and will come out and stun at people from time to time, but he's never wrestled again. Uh, and I think that's, um, uh, I think that's to his credit, and also well done for him for his own uh, his own well being because um, you know, horrible neck injuries that he's had. Uh, certainly don't want to see him making that any worse. Um, also, listen to his podcast. I know this is a wrestling podcast you already listened to, but listen to Steve Austin's. If only to listen to him doing the adverts, the adverts that he does are amazing <laughs> and always pop me. Number fifteen. Um, and we're getting into some pretty good names now. Just on Steve Austin, number fifteen is the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. Someone who, when the Rockers broke up, I preferred Marty Jannetty. Um, and that might just be because Marty Jannetty was the babyface and Shawn Michaels was the heel. I loved the Rockers as a tag team. Loved them. Um, and then I remember being really sad when they broke up. And really loving Marty Jannetty and go and watch the, the Marty Jannetty Shawn Michaels matches from the early days of Raw they're fantastic matches um, and then when I got back into wrestling I got back into wrestling in 1998 and Shawn Michaels was retired um, well, well certainly was on his massive hiatus until 2002 um, and I sort of had to go back and enjoy the stuff that he did and uh, and was never aware of the Montreal Screwjob until after the event uh, so I went back and started learning and, and, and appreciating the stuff that he's done. Um, and then his feud with Chris Jericho is one of the best things I've ever seen in professional wrestling. His 2002 return match, the, the unsanctioned street fight with Triple H at SummerSlam, is, is one of my favourite ever matches. Um, the, the fact that I've met the bloke is uh, recently is crazy because he's he's a good dude. He's really really nice, and as you would expect, incredibly knowledgeable about professional wrestling. Incredibly uh, keen to pass on his thoughts and his tips, stuff which is is really generous. Um, but you know, his the reason that my book is named "I'm Sorry I Love You" is a thing that he said. Uh, that's how much he means to me, um, and that's why he's as high as number fifteen. Still doesn't break the top ten though. Number 14, I've asked people, and I said I was going to do this this week, I asked John and Glenn, my two business partners, who they thought my number one would be, and they both said this man. Um, my number one is, is Mitsuharu Masawa. Uh, sorry, my number, he's not my number one. That's what they thought my number one is. Uh, Misawa is number 14. Uh, again, sadly no longer with us uh, after uh, tragically passing away in the ring. Um, but when I got into All Japan in my tape trading days and, and saw the fact that he was in so many good matches uh, Toshiaki Kawada as well who's not in my top 40 but is again one of my favourite ever wrestlers um, it was another one who was just involved around that scene all the time Junakiyama as well but Misawa uh, and his green and white tights uh, was absolutely off the chain amazing I was talking to someone about Misawa the other day and he was telling me about how he never used to train I used to smoke and just stand there looking stern all the time and then we'd get in the ring and have these amazing 45 minute long head drop fests that were nuts and when you learn that you're like that's insane that's the craziest thing in the world um, but yeah so Misawa's was number 14 number 13 uh, is Brian Pillman um, so in ring Saw his stuff with Liger uh, in the early 90s that was mind-blowingly good. Then was in the Hollywood Blondes with Steve Austin, one of the best tag teams, one of the most fun tag teams, certainly the mid-1990s. Um, then became the Loose Cannon and in and out of the ring was doing stuff that was visionary and amazing. 
Um, uh, uh, it's just sad that we didn't get to see the, the full peak of his wrestling potential in WWE, but we certainly got to see the full peak of his, his personality potential. But I find him a fascinating... I'm reading his, uh, the, the book that's just come out about him um, at the minute, and just I'm fascinated by him. I think um, uh, as, as someone myself who in the past has been a self-destructive human being, certainly I haven't been nearly 20 years sober now, but um, uh, I've been a self-destructive human being and, and, uh, and have had many a demon. I think that's probably why I'm drawn to characters like Brian Pillman. Um, but I think the stuff he did, the more we look back on it now, the more we realise how groundbreaking everything he did, both in-ring and out-ring was at the time. Um, and he's someone I'm just fascinated with, absolutely fascinated with Brian Pillman. Uh, a friend of mine from America is sending me a, a shirt of, uh, with a picture of him on, which I'm, I'm super excited to get. But yeah, Brian Pillman is my, my, my lucky number 13, which is actually my lucky number. Number 12, we once again go to Japan, and my uh, my favourite female wrestler um, in history, and that is Manami Toyota, um, uh, along with several uh, wrestlers from, from Joshi, from women's wrestling in Japan, uh, invented pretty much all the Indian wrestling moves you see these days, uh, along with people like Megumi Kudo and, and Aya Kong and, uh, and, and, and so on. Um, but Manami Toyota, absolutely amazing. If you've not seen footage of... of when she retired last year with all the, the pink streamers in the ring, go and look it. Look at it. It's absolutely amazing. Um, uh, one of, and it, I said this with Sarah Dalray, not just the greatest female in ring performer of all time, one of the greatest in ring performers of all time. You do not need to qualify it by whether someone's male or female. She's just absolutely amazing. Um, sad I never got to see her live. Delighted I got to see her. Do little things in Shikara and stuff via you know by watching on DVD and whatever and and just the absolute best the absolute best. Um, if you've never seen a Manami Toyota match, go on onto YouTube, go onto the internet and find yourself one to watch. She's amazing, ridiculous amount of five star matches as well, um, and, and was having those when she was relatively young too. Um, so you know go and go and look up Manami Toyota. She's the best. Number 11, uh, someone who I once got a parking fine uh, because uh, I had to park on double yellow lines while we went to Nando's, and that's Samoa Joe. Uh, delighted to see him in WWE doing cool stuff. Um, uh, I hope one day I get to see him as WWE champion because I think he deserves it. Um, was surprised and pleased when uh, he went to WWE. Had a great run in TNA. Uh, was the best thing in TNA for a long time. Um is now a brilliant thing in, in WWE, which is a, a, a thing we should all get behind and support and, and think is great. Um, but his stuff in Ring of Honor is where I really, really fell in love with the, his style of wrestling and what sort of character he was. His long run as Ring of Honor champion was amazing. His long run as X Division champion in, in TNA was amazing. Um, just one of the, the absolute best of a generation. Uh, and one of the reasons I was so obsessed with Ring of Honor uh, a few years ago. So, um, yeah, Samoa Joe's number 11. Number 10, into me top 10. Number 10 is someone I'm very proud to call, like Joe, a friend, and someone I was very proud to have at Super Strong Style 16 last week. Again, you can watch it, demand-progress.com. I won't give you any spoilers. Uh, but that man uh, was formerly known as Chris Hero, and I did sneak in when I was doing my ring announcements. I did say, from Dayton, Ohio, weighing 270 pounds, uh, I either said, uh, your hero of uh, mine, or a hero's welcome for Cassius Ono. Um, so now known as Cassius Ono NXT, 
was known as Chris Hero when he was on the indies a former tag team partner of Cesaro when he was Claudio Castagnoli as the Kings of Wrestling one of the best tag teams I've ever seen but um, Cassius's stuff is amazing his body of work just from Super Strong Style alone is unbelievable um, he's responsible for a couple of the best ever matches in progress history um, uh, and whilst I mentioned I won't bring up progress guys too much like I, being able to see him up close in a company that I run with my friends and getting to see and hit roaring elbows on people is the coolest thing ever um, because I've been watching the guy for ages and for him to appear for us is crazy same when, as when Joe performed for us as well um but yeah, absolutely. Go back and and you know look at uh, on the network. You can see some of Cassius's stuff that he did with you know, William Regal, for example, in NXT when NXT was in its embryonic state, and that stuff is amazing, off the charts, great. Um, and that stuff's amazing. This stuff for Ring of Honor, CZW, etc., all brilliant. Um, so go and absorb as much Cassius Ono slash Chris Hero as you possibly can. We get to number nine now, guys. Who's in the, who, who, who's you got at the minute? Like, I like to think you're playing along at home and you're working out. You're you're trying to work out where I've got to. Are you ready? Okay, number nine. So number nine is Katsuyori Shibata. Um, now I know I've described him on the podcast before as looking like he works in a bank and then hurts people at weekends. And I'm gutted that he's now retired, but I'm very happy he's healthier than he was when he first retired. And, and obviously, everyone in wrestling was very worried about him uh, with his brain injury. Um, uh, you know, was was pushed initially at the early noughties as being a big part of New Japan, and then uh, vanished for a bit and did mixed martial arts, and then came back again. And just plain black drunks, badass. Who is, in the match I always mention is him and Tomohiro Ishii from from I think 2012, uh, the G1. Then um, is still one of my favourite ever matches. It's a 12 minute long match that is all of the stars it's just brilliant it's exactly what I like to see in wrestling really hard hitting you know really fast paced just great great professional wrestling um, a wonderful body of work before he had to retire you know even the match that caused him to retire I mean it's uncomfortable viewing but his match with Okada uh, from April 2017 is is, is is a wonderful match it's just it, it's it, there's even more gravitas to it knowing that that something he does in the match and the exhaustion and the dehydration all, all coupled together led to him having to retire but what an in-ring performer uh, Shibata was and exactly what I look for in professional wrestling and what I enjoy is guys like Shibata so he's my number 9 uh, my number 8 uh, is the artist currently known as Kevin Owens formerly on the independence known uh, as, as Kevin Steen um, th- another person who's one of the best with, with Art Bar no longer with us I think he's the best heel in professional wrestling currently. Um, the moment when he was wrestling Finn Balor in Japan and, uh, well, first of all, before the match, gets handed flowers and throws the flowers. Brilliant. But then there's a point in that match where the crowd are really coming up, really coming up, expecting to do something big and he just puts on a chin lock. Oh, the best. But then his feud with El Generico, as I mentioned before, uh, culminating in one of my favourite ever independent matches, which was the ladder match at, at PWG uh, for the PWG title. Um amazing at promos for someone who couldn't speak English till he was 15 because he's actually French-Canadian um, the, the, wonderful um, just I, I've never seen a Kevin Owens slash Kevin Steen match that hasn't put a smile on my face uh, as both a, a fan and as a promoter I just think he's, he's wonderful number seven yeah, again mentioned him before by, uh, by mentioning his tag team partner and that's Eddie Guerrero uh, I think he was brilliant at being an absolute dickhead 
in Mexico and in WCW he was fantastic under a mask as Black Tiger uh, in Japan Black Tiger 2 because Black Tiger 1 was Rollable Rocco um, was putting on technical masterclasses against guys like Dean Malenko and ECW and then was world champion in by sort of 2004 in WWE in you know one of the best sort of fairy tale stories of someone who beat an addiction and come back and it's so sad that he's no longer with us uh, and was taken from us kind of at the peak of his abilities but um, I challenge you watch watch when Eddie Guerrero wins the WWE title off of Brock Lesnar try and watch that and not smile it, it's it's brilliant absolutely brilliant um, and you know it's sad that he got to a point in his life where he conquered all of his demons and then was taken from us not too long after that which will always make me sad number six is Daniel Bryan slash Bryan Danielson for indie fans um, I've never been more happy with some with looking through my Twitter than the day I found out he was coming back I just scrolled through my Twitter and was like oh shit he's going to wrestle again and I'm it was at Wrestlemania and I was there and oh the best um delighted that he's back in wrestling his body of work before that um I was uh, saw Nigel McGuinness the other day and I I mentioned to him like their feud in Ring of Honor which was unbelievably good uh his match with uh, his matches with Kenta uh, Ring of Honor and Noah were amazing um his whole run as Ring of Honor champion was brilliant. The fact that he wasn't really a heel, he wasn't really a face, he was just Brian Danielson was 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 cool. And yeah, I I he's responsible for quite a lot of my favourite memories um as a wrestling fan. So yeah. There's no way he wasn't gonna get in this list. At number five, someone we'll probably never see wrestle again. Uh but I think we'll see in UFC again and that's CM Punk. Um I have a little CM Punk Hello Kitty straight edge tattoo on my arm. Um, I was always drawn to CM Punk as being one of my favourites because he was straight edge and it made it easier for me to explain to my friends who was being straight edge was because there was a famous wrestler who was straight edge and was vocal about it um, but also his run of Ring of Honor his summer of Punk in Ring of Honor was brilliant the 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 twist on it that he then did in 2011 in WWE was amazing his match with John Cena in WWE in 2011 remains uh, my favourite match of all time um, he, you know he was having you know, hour-long matches with Samoa Joe and Ring of Honor that were unbelievably good. Um, I know it's controversial. I know he'll probably never be back in WWE, which makes me sad because I'd love to see him again. Um, but yeah, just just a, for me, someone who really defined what I liked in professional wrestling when I, you know, I was I was starting to enjoy independent wrestling and and, and that, and and also find my own way as a human being after going clean and sober and stuff. So. Yeah, Punk was always going to be on the list. Number four, uh, the only wrestler on the list tattooed on me, and that's Mick Foley. Uh, uh, I've spoken at length countless times about how much Mick Foley means to me, not just as a, a, a wrestling fan, but also as a stand-up comedian. I, I say to new comedians always, when they ask me for advice, I'll say, read Mick Foley's first book, because that teaches you everything you need to know about chasing a dream and, and, and trying to get anywhere in any walk of life. Um, so yeah, mix brilliant. I, I always be grateful to him. He, he, when we first started progress, he tweeted about us, and he still does it now, which is really lovely of him. Doesn't have to do stuff like that, does it? Because he's nice. Um, uh, he uh, let me support him on tour several times, and I always had a great time doing that. Um, and let's be honest, he's responsible for some of the, the the biggest moments in wrestling history, whether it's the Hell in a Cell in 1998, which is obviously the 20 year anniversary of it this year, whether it's that 
or whether it's uh, his street fight with Triple H at Royal Rumble 2000 um, you know these are huge moments and he's responsible for loads of comedy within wrestling as well like this is your live segment for The Rock and, and the invention of Mr. Socko when Vince was in hospital just everything he's done has been has been great in his career and I'm, I'm lucky, that it, lucky to call him a friend someone I try and call a friend but um, he'd deny it is me number three and that's William Regal um, you probably guessed Mr. Regal was going to be in the top ten um, and I know he spends most of his time giving me grief on social media which is his thing um, I I personally think that Mr. Regal is the finest British person to carve out a career in the United States ever and I'm including everyone in the entertainment industry I just think he's someone who went to America in the mid 1990s and took to it and stuck it out and had his problems got over them and has carved out a great career in a ton of respect um, by always doing things the right way and just being a good guy um, he's done a lot for me and he'll always deny that he has um, but he's taught me a lot and he's a great guy and uh, I have nothing but respect for him I know he hates my guts and he wants to give me a sandwich um, but a brilliant brilliant wrestler um, I'd also recommend it, it you know there's tons of stuff of his in um there's tons of stuff of his on the WWE network, obviously, for he was in WCW and WWE. Um, but there's some great stuff you can see of him on YouTube, for example, of him wrestling Shinya Hashimoto in Japan. Um, you know, just a, 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 you, I think people now, because you see him as a as an authority figure on NXT, you forget how good a wrestler he is. And again, he's having great matches in the early days of NXT too with guys like Asius Ono. So go and check that out. Number two is the reason I fell in love with professional wrestling and that is Johnny Saint without Johnny Saint there'd be no progress there'd be no Tuesday Night Jaw there'd be no book coming out none of that would have happened uh, and again someone I'm lucky that has been on this podcast go back through the archives and listen to me have a chat with him uh, someone I've got to know and someone I really like as a human being but when I was four years old and my gran was watching World of Sport and I didn't like Big Daddy or Giant Haystacks he was the one I was drawn to he was the one that made me fall in love with professional wrestling he's the reason I like wrestling as much as I do um, also just a, 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 a fantastic human being as well and so full of knowledge and so full of stories and yeah the, if you've never watched a Johnny Saint match I implore you to go and watch one now they just they're magical they're magical and they wouldn't feel out of place now this man who's 77 years old like it wouldn't feel out of place now him having the sort of matches that that he did back then and obviously he's retired but um, you know someone like him against someone like like Pete Donner against Zack Sabre Jr. would be the greatest thing on earth um, just them either of those guys at, at their peak against Johnny at his peak I would lose my mind to get to see that then my number one you've surely guessed it by now say it say it at the podcast say it now correct my number one is Kenta Kabashi uh, I've probably watched more Kabashi matches than I'll ever be able to remember um, and that's because I saw him when I started getting me all Japan tapes when I was at university, he was the guy I was drawn to. He was the guy who was getting amazing responses. He was the guy who could tell stories. Like Masao was technically brilliant, but didn't have much in terms of facial expressions or storytelling in the ring compared to Kabashi. Kabashi could do all the technical stuff and tell a story. Um, his tag match with Kikuchi against the Kanam Express is one of my favourite ever matches. The fact that he had a finisher in the Burning Hammer that he only used seven times and no one ever kicked out of it is a commitment to... Uh, to a style of wrestling that we just don't see anymore. Um, 
so hard hitting, so hard working. Cassie Sono was telling me a story the other day about how when he was wrestling for Noah and and uh, and Kabashi was still wrestling, that he'd spend entire shows just sat on an exercise bike watching the shows, and then he'd go out and wrestle for half an hour. Like the the, the just unbelievable, and it's it's sad out of you know, there's a lot of people on these lists I've managed to meet and, and, and say to them how much their work's meant to me and Kabashi's the one person that is obviously still here but I've never met him I don't speak Japanese I've never been to Japan he doesn't tend to come here very often but it, one of my ambitions now in the world of wrestling is just to meet Kenta Kabashi and just say thank you thank you for everything you've done for wrestling and thank you for entertaining me so much over the course of uh, of my time being a wrestling fan so that's my top 40 send me yours at Jim Smallen hashtag Tuesday Night Jewel uh, write yours down on a piece of paper screenshot it send it me I'd love to see I'd love to see uh, yours I'd love to hear your opinion on mine uh, and let me know what you think uh, and the next week uh, hopefully I'll be slightly less busy I'll be able to put an interview out might put the one I recorded out this week out next week I might wait another week or two uh, we'll see it's a good one um, but in the meantime thank you for listening don't forget progresswrestling.com for tickets including Manchester at Victoria Warehouse this Sunday and the Wembley Arena on September the 30th uh, and information of our tour of the United States in August um, so progresswrestling.com for that and for merch and stuff demand-progress.com for all of our on-demand stuff uh, my website is jimsmallman.com my twitter is at jimsmallman uh, and support everything on the Distraction Pieces Network because it's all gravy as I believe the children are saying these days thank you for listening guys thank you for your patience over the last few weeks where I know I've been super busy I've not been able to put one of these out every week I'm going to try and get back on that uh, I really appreciate it right thanks for listening guys I'll see you later thank you 